and in fellowship today. Good morning, Father. Father, Father, your word declared that better is one day in your court. Yes, Father. Than a thousand elsewhere, Father God. Yes. We would rather be a Lord keeper, Father God, in your house. And Jesus, we we would rather be with you forever than us standing with weakness and the things of this earth, Father God, we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you give us the strength that we need every day to stand for truth, that we will continue to seek your face, Father God. Your word declare, Father God, that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for there is the kingdom of heaven, Father. And we, Father, in this fellowship, we have considered the cost to follow you, God. Whatever it takes, oh Jesus, we ask you, Holy Spirit, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you give us the strength to stand for truth, no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, Father God, that we will know that we are belong to you. What can mere men do to me or to us, Father God? Destroy our body, but we'll ne- they will never take away our spirit. They will never, uh, Lord, we are belong to you, Father. So Lord, help us to stand for truth and to seek your face. So we thank you for this time together of fellowship. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. And please, Lord Jesus, help us so just to be here of the word of God, but just to be doers and to do exactly what you call us to do, Lord Jesus, to be your ambassador, your holy nation, your people, and to worship you in the spirit and truth. So we give this time to you, Lord Jesus, to speak to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus, of the promise that, Lord, you would never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one that would leave the 99 to go find the one. Father, that you are a God who redeems, a God that restores. That you are a God of love, of mercy. That you're slow to anger. You're full of compassion. Father, we thank you that it's your desire that none should perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yet, Father, we also know that there would be many who would turn from you, Father. Who would choose the the things of this world who would choose to remain in rebellion towards you. Oh God, may it not be said of, of us. My Father, may we be of those who would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes. My Father, we would endure to the end and be saved. So Father, we thank you, God, yet for another opportunity to open up your word together. To hear from you, Father, to be directed by the Holy Spirit, God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but God, we would be doers. And that God, we would mature, that we would grow up, that our roots would grow down deep, Father, and that our lives would be more like Christ, and that we will live, Father, for Christ. As we are positioned in Christ, if we truly are saved, if we truly have been born again of this new nature. So, Father, come and have your way among us and in us and through us, Father, I pray this day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Community, two definitions I've been holding up. A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And as I've been sharing, Christ is the center, the foundation of the Christian community. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Yes. If we are in Christ, if we have been born again, then we have a new nature to live out of. The Bible in Galatians tells us that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. We were born in the flesh. And this nature that is in rebellion towards the kingdom of God and it craves the temporal things of this world. And the Bible is very clear, the works of the flesh. What the flesh will produce if one gives in to the desires. Because where does sin come from? Sin comes from the desires that are within. It's when we choose the, the, to, to, to act upon those desires that the flesh stirs up, that we sin, and sin gives birth to death. But I love when the Bible encourages us that 
Sin and death are defeated through Christ Jesus. That due to his resurrection, because he came from the tomb on the third day, the power, the hold, the enslavement of sin and death have been defeated. And how have they been defeated? Because Christ has, was resurrected, and in that resurrection, He is now bringing forth many who would come to the saving knowledge of this truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is risen from the dead. And it's that truth that sets us free that we are now born again of this new nature. We're born again of the Spirit of God. And in this new nature, we now desire the things of God. And so our decisions are different than what they were in the flesh, when we were living out of the flesh. Again, the flesh and the Spirit, the Scripture tells us, they're at war with each other. But that doesn't mean that we give ground to the flesh. This is a consistent war until we are in Christ's presence. When we are standing before him. While there is breath in our body, the community of Christ, the believers of Christ, the church in the earth would be not only at war with the realm in which we cannot see. Not only are we at war with the world system, but we are at war with the flesh, with the nature that is in complete rebellion towards the throne of God. Its desire is to master us, to, to provoke us, to give in to that which would destroy us. You see, so when we hear these definitions of community, the same interests, the same goals, the same attitudes, having the, the same characteristics, because that's how we should be living as the church and this earth until we are called home. Amen. We are to be preparing for our Lord's return. And, and just as, as we've seen all through Scripture, Whatever God has purposed and planned, the enemy counterfeits it. And so as we know, and as the days are getting darker, and we should be getting brighter, not just to burn among each other, but to go out and to the earth and burn for Christ. To burn for Christ. And we understand that the level of deception is rising. And how does one who is elect not get deceived? By doing the will of the Father. The Bible says that even the last days, that even the elect could be deceived. So, so how does one not... Be deceived in the days that were upon that is upon us in the days that's to come by doing the will of our Father. Amen. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, 
obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, not giving ground to our flesh. We understand the works of the flesh, but we also understand the Bible, the Bible is very clear of the fruit of the Spirit. Your measure of maturity, hold up the fruit of the Spirit. How are you growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering? How are, you, how are you growing and maturing in these things? In this fruit that comes forth from a life that's been born again. God help us if we're not growing. If we're not maturing. Then what are we doing? We understand that there's a great awakening taking place all throughout the earth. God is moving and revealing himself in, in, in amazing ways, through dreams, through visions. That people are awakening. But just as God is moving, so is the enemy doing a counterfeit move. It's been an interesting week I've had, because I've been looking at what society terms as influencers on social media, which is a huge platform. But a lot of people, especially the younger generation, they're searching this awakening that's taking place within people. They're searching, and where they're searching is social media. So we have these influencers who are influencing this upcoming generation until what they believe is true. So I sought out the prominent influencers that have huge followings, and I began to listen to them for a week. And it has so disturbed me that I go, oh, God, help us. Like this one man, the stuff that he says is so amazing but he's leading people the wrong way. He's leading people from Christ instead of to Christ. He, in fact, has turned from the Christian faith and now has become a Muslim. And they asked him, why did you turn from your Christian faith? And he says, because there's no power in it. Look at those people who say they are following their Christ. They make a mockery of Christ. And why would I want to serve a God that allows his people to mock him? This is what he's saying. It was the very same thing that I wrestled with when I was young. When I looked at the Christian faith and I looked at Christians. And I, he, he said something and I've watched it, I promise you, more times than I should have just to keep hearing what he's saying. And so when he says he wants to fear God, this is what he says, and this is what led him to the Muslim faith. Faith, He wants to fear God. He said, look at these Christian, so-called Christian nations. He said, people can 
have these images of Jesus and they can make him gay. They can make him weak. They can mock him. They can drag his name through the mud. They can live however they want and run their homes and their lives are totally against him, and there's no honoring of him. He said, but try that in the Muslim faith. Try that. And he was listing all of these other faiths. <laughs> he says, it won't be done. And so he begins to then expound on why the Muslim faith is the true faith. And this guy has one of the largest platforms on social media. One of the largest. He is very, what's the word, charismatic. He draws you in. And then he shifts from talking about spirituality to what's happening on the earth and how we need to wake up a generation that is being led into slavery by these governments. And so now he's beginning to expose all of the stuff that's happening in the governments throughout the earth. He's beginning to, to expose the cultural war that's taking place against white, straight, heterosexual men. He's beginning to expose the lies and the deception that's taking place. And people are drawn to him. He, in fact, has created this school where thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people throughout the earth attend. And he's a billionaire. And the governments and the society, the world systems, hate him. In fact, he came out and he says, they are going to kill me. Because I'm exposing the Illuminati. I'm exposing the demonic realm, that of exposing who they are and what they're doing. In fact, banks and, and companies have, have stripped him. And so I'm just engaging, listening to his whole story and everything that he's doing. And I keep going back to him saying, I just want to fear God. And yet he lives a loose life. His words. His acknowledgement of a faith that is no faith really at all. It was a faith birth of the flesh. It wasn't the promised child. It wasn't the promised faith. And yet, 
He's awakening. The enemy is using him to awake, to, uh, to, to speak and awake, uh, shake people to their core that people are eating this up. And then I've watched these others throughout the week, these other influencers who are of different faiths. And yet, when you hear, and I go and I search on them, they all come from the quote-unquote Christian faith. And they all have been asked, why not the Christian faith? And they all have given their answers as to why. But the platform that they have now is exposing the lies of the government, the lies of the pharmaceutical companies, the lies of Hollywood. They're exposing the world system. And I, you say, why are you spending so much time on this? Because I find it fascinating that these people have rejected Christ And yet, they're exposing the realm in which we cannot see, and that realm is turning on them. And then I look at these Christian influencers, because I said, let me shift my, my, my view now, let me look at these Christian influencers, and some of them are really solid, and I respect them, and I say, God, thank you that, they, that you have given them a platform and that they are not bowing down, that they are standing for truth. They are exposing the lies. They are hitting the cultural wars. They are, they are moving. <laughs> but there are far many on this platform that call themselves Christians that aren't Christians. And they're indoctrinating people with a false gospel. And they're using scripture. And I go, oh God. You see the clash of light and darkness. You see a desire when I look at the other platforms. And I see what they're teaching. And I see the communities that they're building. Like, I would love to sit down with this, these guys. <laughs> they fascinate me. I go, man. They have a huge following. They have built communities. People are walking away and changing their habits and their lifestyles. Because they're being influenced by these influencers who have truth, but they don't have the truth. They're willing to lose their life. And yet, in losing it, they will gain nothing in the end. I told you before, all the religions out there in this world, they all have one thing in common. Some form of scripture, some form of biblical truth, some, some, some kingdom principle that they're living off of. And yet they don't have the king. 
And then you have, again, the other platform. Some solid Christians out there holding, taking ground, standing firm, holding the line. (laughs) And then you have a greater one platform around them that, again, are calling themselves Christians. But dear God, help us. Like I, I stomached and I didn't want to because it was making me physically sick listening to how these people teach the word of God. And this is what the generation is hearing. There's an awakening. There's an awakening. People are, are, are waking up, are waking up. They're they're desiring to be a part. I told you that's the basic need for every human being is to be part of a community, to belong. The need to to, to belong, to be loved, to be accepted. And yet we know that the Christian faith, we know because Christ is our example and Christ himself says, I didn't come, but you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to divide. Christ in his message, the truth is rejected because those and the flesh are in rebellion towards the kingdom of God. And there are some good moral people of the flesh that are going to end up in hell. All of their works and everything that they're trying and even their their desire to fear God It's not going to save them. It's only those in Christ, those who accepted the call of a disciple, those who understand that Jesus didn't come to bring peace, he came to divide, who understands the message of Christ, the call of Christ, to deny yourself, to pick up the cross, and to follow him. To live as Christ. To to obey Christ. To surrender your life to Christ. Jesus himself says, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That man is right. People can take Christ and... And do whatever they want with him. But Jesus already told us that's what would happen. There would be many false messiahs. There will be a great distraction from truth. There will be many wolves as sheep. And I say, my God, if you would just awaken these men, (laughs) they're willing to die. But their willingness to die is not in the right direction. I say, God, would you awaken us, uh, the church, the remnant among the earth, that we would wake into the understanding of what is upon us. And that there is a great need for the church to rise up 
and begin to take ground, to begin to hold the line, to begin to speak the truth, to live in community, to honor Christ, to love each other, to encourage each other, to edify each other, to build each other up, to share your faith instead of backing down because you don't want to offend. You don't want to uphold truth because what is your family member going to say to you? Or your co-worker? Or the person in the store? That maybe you have an opportunity to interact with? Like what keeps you quiet? What keeps you quiet from holding up a standard in your own life? In your own life. Like people need to see a transformation. People need to see the power of God at work in your life. And to some, you'll be a fragrance of life. To others, you'll be a stench of death. And that is okay because this is what the Word of God says. Your life is to be surrendered to Christ. Amen. This weird Christianity that people live, it's not going to hold them. In the end, they're not going to cross the finish line and hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Are you a faithful servant of Christ? Are you a, 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 an effective laborer in the harvest fields? Are you seeking Christ daily? Are your decisions based on Christ by the leading? Of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because if you would walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Our weak willed Christian lives aren't really the reality of what the Christian life ought to be, where we just become a doormat for everyone to run over us, where we don't want to say anything unless we offend. That's not living like a Christian. That's not a Christian. You must be trained up. You must be discipled. You must understand whom you say you are living for. Because you are his image bearer. And this is the community that we've been talking about all year. The Christian community. How we are to be engaging with Christ and with each other. How are we to be building the community? How are we to be engaging with the lost? And if you're not, then I've said over the year, I'm not quite sure why you call yourself a Christian. I mean, we've heard before, and I believe I stated it last week, I mean, even the demons know the word and they tremble at it. Are we people of faith? Are we truly walking by faith? Are we truly standing on the promises of God? 
Or are we just deceived into thinking somehow we're in? And the true reality is, is we're not, we're out. And that we would have to stand before a living God and give an account. God help us, you all. God help us to, to awaken to, to the reality of the day and age and the generation in which we are living. I've said over and over and over until I have exhausted myself and just saying that you were purposed for this generation. If you have breath in your body, you have a purpose. You're not here by accident. Like you were purposed for this level of darkness, for this level of chaos, for this level of 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 utter just pure hell. You were purposed to be an image bearer of the living God. God has purposed you. He has planned you. He knew when you would be. And he's prepared good works for you to do if you're in Christ. And I'm not quite sure if we're getting up each day with that reality and how we're going through the day. These influencers, rather they're Christian, or any others, one thing they all have in common is they are not shaken by anyone on the outside that tries to tell them anything different. They are who they are. They know their identity. They know their so-called God, or if it's the Christian one, their God. And their identity is secured in what they believe. And so I thought about the scripture where it says, you know, that we're to have a, a, a confession, a bold confession and a belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead. Do, do, and, I, and I've shared this with you again multiple times. But what do you do with that belief and that confession? Because that should be radically changing your life. It, 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 it forces you to surrender everything of the nature of the flesh. To say, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Not my will for this day, but your will. Not my will for my marriage, but your will. Not my will for my finances, but your will. Not my will for my family, but your will. Not me, myself, and I any longer, but oh God, only you. Full possession, full control. Not my life, but all of Christ. It radically transforms you. The Bible tells us how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. Battlefield is the mind, you all. And I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, man, you got to dress for battle. you got to dress for battle. God help us. If you're not a believer, then I don't know what's keeping you. 
I know it's keeping you. The Bible is very clear. You're blinded by the enemy. And oh, then how I pray your eyes would be open, that your ears would hear, and that you would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that you would desire fellowship, to engage in fellowship with Christ, your Lord, your Savior, your King, and that you would engage and you would desire to be in community with other believers who you are growing in Christ with, held accountable by, encouraged by, and that can call upon to stand together to war against the realm in which you cannot see, the world systems, and the flesh. We're needed. You cannot live in this newness of life on your own or with so-called Christians. They will lead you astray. You need to be grounded. You need to be rooted in Christ. You need to be able to stand with others who desire that much of Christ and more of Christ so that Christ is our all in all. He's the head of the body. And we desire to operate as he leads us. Go to Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. Scriptures that I've held up over the year to encourage us in community. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul writes again to the church in Ephesus. And as this letter is for that particular church, The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write it, not only for that church, but for it to be sealed in the living word of God for all the church to hear. And not only to hear, but then to apply. Again, I can't say it enough, the church is birthed, especially as we're reading through the book of Acts, the church is birthed, and, and these churches, these communities are being formed by all people of all walks of life. And they're now children of God. And they're being reminded and instructed on how now then to live out of the spirit, out of the new nature. The flesh is always present. But you are To reckon yourself dead and alive in Christ. 
that you've nailed that old nature to his cross. You've crucified it there. Instead of waking up and just walking and going through your day all, uh, all un, out, of, out of sorts because you're in your flesh. Now you're to walk in the Spirit. And all these different lifestyles, all these different backgrounds, all of these different people who have all these different desires are now together because of Christ. They are new in Christ and they're being instructed on how to live for Christ and with each other. And did you get the first line that I read? Why is he a prisoner? For serving the Lord. For serving the Lord. It's not a glorified position. Jesus himself says they're going to hate you. Because they hated me. You will die for me, he says. You will be turned against. You will be beaten. You'll be dragged out, pushed out. But follow me. And in that, find joy in the midst of the suffering for my sake. So the one sitting in prison, and his charge is because he's serving the Lord, says to us, not only says, he begs us, to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Then he instructs us, be humble and gentle. Be patient. Make an allowance. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Remember, there's one body, one spirit. You have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living and living through all. You see, we should have the same characteristics, the same attitudes. We are a community of believers Go to Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. You see, when you're in the flesh, you give your body to every desire that your flesh craves and wants. But again, if you're a Christian, you've been born again of a new nature. You've been born again of the Spirit. And there's a way in which we ought to live. And we are to be giving our bodies to God. Because of all He has done for you. Let them be, living and, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you and listen to what God's will is for you. It is good, pleasing, and perfect. God is to be transforming us into a new person by changing the way we think, you all. He goes on, because of this privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts by doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is, in, is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the resp- responsibility, responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take a a bit revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will reap burning coals of shame on their heads. And then don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the instruction to the community of believers. People who have been born again of a new nature. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people calling themselves Christians, trying to work things, all this that is given freely by God because God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. The Holy Spirit prompts us. God begins this work in us. But instead of coming to the full 
birth, <laughs> this rebirth in the spirit, they're trying to do all of this in their flesh. And it can't be done. They tried the religious works. My God, I told you about these influencers I was listening to that call themselves Christians. And they are so stuck on the law. They will argue about this and that and this and that and this and that and this and that. And you don't do it this way. You don't do it that way. You don't do it this way. And if you're not doing it this way or that way or this way. It's remarkable. Because there's so many scriptures that expose them for their lies. And people are so swept up in it. Because it does something in someone's person (laughs) to feel as if they're doing, and in this doing, that they've done what they need to do to be right with God. And we're told, we're told, we're told over and over, don't add to it and take nothing from it. Like, it's all Jesus, you all. It's all Jesus. You can keep your rules, your laws, and everything else. But if that's all you have, then you don't have Jesus. Like I keep encouraging us, like we should all to care people for care, we ought to care for people's eternities more than we care for their temporalness. We ought to care more to see people come to the true knowledge of Christ and not just a form of Christ that lacks the power to transform lives. You see, there's people sitting in church. Attempting to try to be right with God. Instead of, instead of dying to themselves, they're suppressing things. Instead of learning what it is to get rid of it. To not act upon it. People are confused about their gender, about their sexuality. People are confused in their minds and their hearts. They rage with murderous thoughts. They rage with with lies and deception. They're just liars. (laughs) They're gossipers. They're backbiters. They're they're fornicators. They're adulterers. And they're trying to cover all of that up, that whole nature up with doing works and works and works and works. And it's exhausting. And people will do it their whole entire lives. And they would drop dead and end up in hell. I mean, there's people who will bold face stand before you, call themselves a Christian, and will lie about their experience and their days and their everything about them. Even their, their interactions with God. There will be people who will stand at the altar in the presence of God and be... Bound with hidden sin. Lest anyone knows. And 
and they just feast off of it. And yet God knows. And yet God knows. And then we have others who are just peddling out this weird gospel. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Well, they went to church. They said a prayer. They talk of Jesus. They can pray. They can do. But there's no fruit in their life. And yet somehow we'll say, poof. Poof, poof. Everyone's a Christian. And you don't see that. If that was the case, we wouldn't have read what we just read. We wouldn't even have this. Like he says here, this is how you're to be living a life as a sacrifice to God. You're a living sacrifice to God. Like, God chose you. God called you. God purposed you. God planned you. It's not about works. So again, when I'm listening to all these weird influencers who call themselves Christians, and they sound so authoritative, they sound and they use these scriptures... And I go, but did you read the rest? Like, I wish I had time just to sit down and go through all the arguments that I went through this whole week in my head and, and just typing things out with the things these people were, were promoting. And I said, God, this is what we're up against. This is what we're up against. So I want to ask you, what consumes you throughout your day? How are you praying? How are you interceding? How are you interacting? How are you living as a sacrifice to God? We are in a war. We are in a war. I am so inspired by the Chinese people. I don't know if you are watching what's happening in China. And the north and the south and the east and the west. I said, Lord, I was just saying a few months ago, if these people would just wake up and realize that they can push back. Listen, we ought to be praying for them. They are fighting against a government that has oppressed them and has enslaved them. Their government has built these camps where they are dragging people to. Their government is in all in the base of a COVID, forcing them in a way to, 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 and to dictate their lives of who can buy stuff, who can't buy stuff, who can do this and who can have that and all this other stuff. And the people have had enough. I don't know if you've seen these people. I don't know if, you're, if you know what's going on on the other side of the world. And that these Chinese people who understand how strong their government is, how powerful their government is, how, what, how the weapons and the military strength that, they, that that government has, these common folk people are fighting. Physically. 
And I can't tell you how many videos I saw of Chinese people dying for the right to live. I can't tell you of how their heads are being bashed in, their bodies being dragged out, and yet the uprising is still coming. They are going full force. They don't have the weapons. And yet they're being plowed down. They're being dragged out of buses. It's utter chaos what's happening over there. And they don't know where the president is. They think maybe he's been assassinated. There's generals in place that they should have been killed months ago, and now they're sitting in meetings. And this is being reported by the crazy news. But they're not showing you what the people are going through. There's something taking place over there. They just want to be free. They just want to be free, and that's in the natural realm as it is down in Brazil. The chaos that's going there in Iran. All these places where these people just want to be free in the natural realm. And they're willing to fight with everything that they have. But the ultimate freedom is in Christ. And we cannot be lazy Christians so-called Christians who are not warring on our knees, giving up our comfort, seeking community, seeking fellowship with Christ, and saying, God, use me in this generation. How can I pray? How can I intercede? How can I go out and speak and love and share? How do I conquer evil? By doing good. By standing for truth. Knowing good and well you're going to be plowed down. You can be pushed back on. You can be stripped of everything. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. Because it's for freedom. It's for freedom. And it's not this temporal freedom, but it's this eternal freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I was praying for the underground church in China. This is their moment. This is their moment to shine. And I'm sure they are. I don't doubt it with everything that's within me because they have been prepared and equipped for what's about to take place in China. And if they hadn't endured what they've endured throughout the years, they wouldn't be ready for what's about to be take place. And so we ought to be praying for them. Because they're going to, they have to respond to all of this. The people have had enough. And many will die for the cause. But I say, oh, let the church rise up and gather those who are awakening. And to tell them more of the freedom that's available, not just for being liberated from their government, but how they can be liberated 
from themselves and find Christ, their creator, who has purposed them for such a time as this. Oh, that there will be a move of Christ throughout the earth. I believe before the return of Christ that there will be a move, an awakening to Christ. And when there will be this opportunity And I believe we're beginning to see the the evidence of that all around because it's utter chaos everywhere. And we just want to have this kumbaya religion. Amounts to nothing. No, if you are in Christ, live for Christ. Love Christ. Live as a sacrifice to God. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 16. Again, letters to the church to encourage community, a desire of community among the people of Christ. We're not going to fit in anywhere else. But we all come with the same background. You say, no, we're all different. No, the, 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 the evidence of we have the same background is that we all were born as sinners. Now, what sin we did, is that's what it was, whatever. But the reality is, is that we were all born into sin. We were born in rebellion towards the throne of God. But God, in his mercy, has transformed us. He has liberated us. Now we're together. And a new nature, learning and growing together to be Christ-like and to have the same attitude as Christ as we are engaging in warfare. So don't be selfish. Chapter 2, verse 3 of Philippians. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must. You must. You must. It's not a suggestion. It's not when you feel good or when you feel like it and all of life is going well for you. No, you must in every season, in every circumstance. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is how you are called to live. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard. 
Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God. Obeying God. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. For God, who? God. Who? God is working in you, giving you the desire. You can't conjure this up. You can't follow all the rules and laws. You can't just keep doing and doing and doing and doing and trying and trying and trying. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with you. Get out of God's way. It is God giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Say so that no one can criticize you. Live clean. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Again, we're called to have the same attitude as Christ, to shine brightly for Christ. It's all for Christ. It's all Jesus. It has nothing to do with ourselves. If you are saved, you are sealed, you are, you are in the process of sanctification, you understand that you once were, but now you are, that there is a way in which you're called to live now, and it's in complete Submission to Jesus. To Jesus. And you understand that not everyone's going to rally up around that. That's why community, the Christian community, true fellowship, true community, is such a great treasure. Such a great treasure. People don't treat it lightly. Because they understand what they've been given and who gave it to them. Let's go to our definition. This week's definition, this week's word, the theological term. I've started giving you these definitions, these terms and their definitions. This week is glorification. And again, I know on Friday nights we've learned them, we've heard them, but I don't know really if you've taken the time to really meditate upon them. That's why I want to give them to you weekly so you can go throughout the week, think upon it, pray about it. <laughs> Have you gained an understanding? How has it impacted your life? How are you able to share these terms with others? Glorification is the term for this week. And glorification refers to the completion of all aspects of the believer's salvation. It is the final step of his, his rescue that comes when in heaven he sees Christ face to face. 
and is ultimately transformed spiritually and physically into an everlastingly perfect person. You're not perfect until you are there. But until then, you ought to be maturing. 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 But glorification, again, refers to the completion of all aspects of the believer's salvation. It is the final step of his rescue that comes when in heaven he sees Christ face to face and is ultimately transformed spiritually and physically into an everlastingly perfect person. Go to Colossians 1.13. Scriptures to summarize what God must do for a sinner to make him or her a Christian. I've been sharing these scriptures in hopes to encourage you to mature, to grow up, to fully understand what God had to accomplish and what He must do for a sinner to become a Christian. Colossians 1, verse 13. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. This had to be done. If it's not done, then we, there, what do we have then? But listen to what Scripture says. You have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. So why on earth are Christians stuck in circumstances and situations that are honoring Christ? They're stuck in darkness. They refuse to make decisions that would honor Christ. How can that be? When we are informed here that He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. I mean, just think about that for your own life. Do you understand? And in that understanding, are you engaged actively to keep moving forward and not being content and settling with darkness? With darkness. I read this scripture and I was reminded of those times in my formative First years in Christ where I would just be in a corner in a, in a, a ball of a, just a broken person. And all I had to say was Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something was happening in me. I knew the darkness. I knew that the depths of my being was just being torn apart. Because I was being rescued. It's being rescued. From the kingdom of darkness. 
and being transferred into the kingdom of Christ. The eternal kingdom, you all. And so what on earth are we doing wallowing around? I get it. I get it. If you're at the beginning of your walk, yes. But if you're saying you're a Christian and you're years up in it, (laughs) and you're still where you were, something's wrong with your Christianity. Something is wrong with your Christianity. I didn't need people telling me what I needed to do. I had that before Christ. I had everyone telling me what I needed to do in order for God to love me because God hates you, Rob. So go to church, read your Bible, live like a Christian, be good, Stop giving in to your desires and your flesh and the very thing that you identify with because that is who you are. Stop doing so that God will love you. You see, when Christ is real, when your eyes have been opened, when Satan no longer can blind you and lead you blindly, And you see Jesus. Listen. No one had to tell me. No one had to. Because I was transitioned. Transferred into his kingdom. And now how then shall I live, Lord? know what I like and what I want and what I do. But I'm not there any longer. How now then shall I live? Come on, you all. God, these three scriptures I'm sharing with you and what I've shared with you before and will continue to share until we'll finish with this portion of it, This is what God must do in order to take a sinner out of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of his son. It's real. It's real. It's not this weird thing that we're making it. Like, this is real. To God. You rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Like you understand that has darkness has no hold over you. It only has what you give it. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the enemy, and he has to flee. That doesn't mean your life is not going to have issues. That you're not going to be beaten, thrown in jail, lose your job, lose your family. It doesn't mean that your circumstances in this temporal realm is going to go great for you. 
Because this temporal realm is the kingdom of darkness. You have been transitioned, transferred into the kingdom of God. Adopted. Given the right to call Him Abba. To call Him Daddy. To live for Him. To know Him. To love Him. And if there's anything, anyone that is halting that in your life, get rid of them. Get rid of it. Even if they look right. Remember, the enemy comes in like an angel of light. Use the discernment in which you have been given. And live as one who has been rescued and transferred into the kingdom of God. Go to Galatians chapter 3. This is what you should be sharing with people. Stop being out there just, just running the mouth with no depth to share with people. Give them an understanding of who God is and what God has accomplished through Christ in order to provide them hope. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Another scripture. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross... He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in Scripture, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He rescued us, there's that term again, from the curse pronounced by the law. We were under the curse. He took it for you. He's cleansed you. He took your guilt. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. When the reality is that you are no longer guilty before God. When that reality really hits you and it's just not all oh, those, oh, that sounds good, that sounds good. No, when the reality because again, how could you come to Christ if you first don't see yourself as an enemy of God and what you're deserved, what you deserve as an enemy of God is the wrath of God. It's the, you're cursed. This is what you deserve. But in God's grace, he's full of compassion. God is love. He provides a way out. And Jesus our Savior took upon our guilt. You stand not, if you're truly in Christ, you stand not guilty. So why are you touching that? Why are you thinking that way? Why are you going to that place? Why are you interacting with those people? Why are you doing and doing 
and doing and saying and saying and saying and thinking and thinking and thinking as one who is still guilty. When you understand the level of freedom, I'm cleaned. So why would I still want to remain tainted with the filth of what I've been cleansed by for? I cleanse for Christ. Why would I want all of the other stuff when that level of guilt has been removed? Do you know what guilt does to a person? Do you understand the burden of guilt? <laughs> but oh, when you understand the liberty, when you understand the freedom, and your soul finally feels its worth, the level of freedom that comes to a life that was once bound, Oh, come on, there is a way in which we are called to live. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, this is good news. This is how you're learning to go and share with people. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 to 31. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and has freed us from sin. Therefore, as scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. It fascinates me. Christians have gotten up today, or so-called Christians. Care what time is it? I don't It's noon. Christians... So people who claim to be Christians have gotten up today. They've gone into some form of worship. And yet they're miserable bound. They will go home and they will live lives, the most ungodly lives. And their homes will represent that darkness. Empty worship, empty words, no submitted life, no living out life in the abundance. Just going through the motions. But scripture says God has united us with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and He has freed us from sin. Are we sharing this with the youth? Are we sharing this with our peers? Are we sharing this with others? Especially if we see them holding a form of religion. Why are you afraid to speak? Because you know they're on their way to hell. Well, I don't want to believe that. Well, okay, but that's the reality. Well, you don't know their hearts. 
Well, neither do you. So why aren't you provoked to say something to them when you can see their fruit of their lives? If all it is is just emptiness, if all it is is just, I just want to feel good about myself, I just want to feel like I'm right with God, so I'll do the works, I'll say my prayers, I'll listen to my Christian music, I'll journal, I'll do studies, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll restrict myself from this, I'll restrict myself from that, and surely God must be okay then. But there's no Jesus. You can follow all the steps in the world. But if there's no Christ, there's no salvation. The true Christ. God has united you. Who are you, if you're a Christian, united with? Christ Jesus. He wouldn't do half the stuff we're doing if we truly grasp this. For whose benefit? Not God's benefit. For our benefit. We needed to be saved. We needed the guilt to be removed. You see, it's, the error is not with God. The error is found in man. It was for our benefit. Not because he's a bad God. No, but he's a loving God who understands the condition in which we are born into. We're talking all these high-level kingdom principles, you know, kingdom um, principles, and people first just need to hear they're a sinner. We're out there sharing the the life of the kingdom, but the reality is, no, that's not that's not beat around the bush. You're a sinner. Have you accepted Jesus? Have you been born again? Do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand that right now you're an enemy of God? Well, I don't want to say that lest I You're going to offend him because the gospel offends. If it's not offending them, it's not the gospel. Stop trying to get them at this level when they haven't gotten on their knees, when they haven't understand the position of submission. The reality of what God has done. He united you. But Jesus, you all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And our families are going to hell in a handbasket. Not all your family members are going to be saved. That's the reality. Well, don't speak that over them. Well, it's not about my words over them. That's just the reality. So why aren't you busy about the kingdom in front of them? Giving them the opportunity to know Christ. To some, you'll be a fragrance of life. To others, you'll be the stench of death. Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to divide. Mother against daughter. You know, he says that family separation. There's going to be this separation. 
That's the reality, you all. So these are scriptures I wanted to share with you. And I have a few more to continue to share with you in hopes that you'll go back and, and you'll be encouraged. If you truly are a Christian, that you would feast off the Word of God, that you would cling to Christ, that you would grow, that you would mature, it is hard. It is hard. You have to work out. Oh, so I have to work my salvation? No, but you have to work out the newness of this nature so that the fruit of your salvation experience is exposed to those around you. So work it out with fear and trembling. Those endured to the end will be saved. We understand as we read earlier, evaluate yourself. Hold up the standard that God holds up. You've been united with Christ. He's rescued you. Is that really the mark of your life? Not because you hold a form of it. Oh, she's such a, a, a great person. Or he's such a great person. Oh, look, okay, we'll call on them to pray. We'll, we'll call on them to do. We'll, we'll call on them. And in reality, that person is so darkened. They're still tainted. They haven't been reborn. So that's why we must awaken to truth, to the reality. So what you can do. But if it's not truly who you are, then stop the charade. Stop the game. Because in the end, you've got to stand before God. And he won't know you. He won't know you. The Heidelberg Catechism. We started with the Ten Commandments. Lord's Day 35 is what we're looking at today. Another tool again that I'm putting before us in hopes that you're utilizing it to grow in your faith in order to defend the faith. Question 96 of the Catechism. What is God's will for us in the second commandment? Here's the answer. That we in no way make an image of God nor worship Him in any other way than has been commanded in the Word of God. There's all these scriptures there for you. Question 97. May we then not make any image at all? And the answer, God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way, although creatures may be portrayed, yet God forbids making or having such images of one's intention if, if one's intention is to worship them or serve God through them. The scripture's there. The final question. But may not images be permitted in churches in place of books for the unlearned? No. We should not try to be wiser than God. God wants the Christian community instructed by the living preaching of His Word, not by idols that cannot even talk. And the Scripture's there. So I do pray you are giving the tools to go and to grow. 
Not to satisfy me. But to honor Christ. To live for Christ. To know your God. To love your God with your whole being. I can't live it out for you. Only Christ in you and through you. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit that He's given us the revelation of His Word, of His truth, that we may engage with Him to live for Him in this generation upright among the crooked and the perverse to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Go to 2 Kings. That's where we're heading. Wrapping up our time. No, we got a little bit more together. Second Kings chapter 20 through 22 verse 2. Hezekiah. About that time... Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Now, please don't rush through this. And I pray, again, you get the scriptures a week ahead. (laughs) To read through, to pray through, to study through, to meditate upon. And oh, how I pray that you've been encouraged by this portion of Scripture in which we're going to read. Together. King Hezekiah is deathly ill. The man of God comes in. The word of God is, you're going to die, you're not recovering. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. King Hezekiah turned to God. He didn't curse God. He turned to God. In the midst of sickness, in the midst of disease, in the midst of hearing the, the, the report, not just from a doctor, but from God. You're going to die. There's no recovering from this. Thus says the Lord. So he didn't curse God, he turned to God. And I love this because Hezekiah was a godly king. He honored God. He loved God. And in the moment of his suffering, he didn't turn from God, he turned to God. He didn't curse God, he looked to God. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. 
verse 4. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, that this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, and I've told you over the weeks to highlight, to circle this phrase that we keep seeing and hearing. It is, I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. And not only that, Hezekiah, I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Now I want you to see this. I think this is I don't know about you, but I find this so amazing. Not just that God said, I've heard you, I've seen your tears, and I will heal you. But then God added years to his life. And then don't stop there. Isaiah, the man of God, says to the servants, make an ointment from figs. And spread this medicine on his boil. So not only do we see the supernatural involvement, but we see the, 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 the medicinal, the medicine. That which was being used to treat. I said, well, look at that there in Scripture. Look at that there in Scripture. I'm not saying go out and take all the medicine that's out there. Use wisdom. But I find it really interesting. That it specifically says, not only supernaturally, but then how it would come about through this ointment that was being made to be spread over the boil. And yet, though, there's many people who turn to God in their dying hours and say, Lord, save me. And God hears their prayers. But it's God's timing for them to come home. And that's the reality. And so as we're praying for people who are on the deathbed, who are, who are bound by sickness and disease, we can ask the Lord to heal them. And what I love to pray is, God, not only would you heal them, but God, would you add quality years to their life that they might serve you? There's people that I've prayed for. There's people that I've wept bitterly for. And they passed on. That doesn't make him a bad God. That doesn't make him a God that didn't hear but it just makes him God. He's sovereign. And as Christians, we can rejoice either way. 
Because we can trust Him. And Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give to prove that He will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? And Isaiah replied, This is the sign from the Lord to prove that He will do as promised. Would you like the shadow of the sundial to go forward ten steps or backward ten steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. Make it go ten steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Soon after this, Moradak, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylonian, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and gifts, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses. Like he showed them everything, you all. I'm going to skip down to 50, no, to 14. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, What do those men want? Where were they from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen, this is the message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exiles. They will become eunuchs who serve in the palace of the Babylonian's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. For the, king, for the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. And then the rest of the events of Hezekiah's reign is logged down. He showed him everything. I mean, ultimately we know the northern kingdom has already been wiped out. <laughs> They've been taken in as slaves. Judah, the southern kingdom, at some point will fall and they will too be captured and now we hear it'll be at the hands of the Babylonians. Manassas was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother was Hasabah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father, Hezekiah, had destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up Asherah pole, just as King Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards and of, of the temple of the Lord. Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. 
Manasseh even made a carved image of, of Asherah and set it up in the temple, the very place where God, where the Lord, had told David and his son Solomon, My name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws my servant Moses gave them, I will not send them into exile from this land that I gave their ancestors. But the people refused to listen. And Manasseh led them to, to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. Then the Lord said through his servant, the prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. He has caused the people of Judah to sin with his idols. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for Samaria and the same measure I used for the family of Ahab. <coughs> I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one, as one wipes a dish and turns it upside down. Then I will reject even the remnant of my people who are left, and I will hand them over as plunder for their enemies. For they have done great evil in my sight and have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. The rest of the events in Manasseh's reign and everything he did, including the sins he committed, are recorded in the book of history of the kings of Judah. And then finally he was buried. And I can't help but think of the scripture that we read back in 2 Corinthians a couple weeks ago. Why do we have the Old Testament? To warn, to warn those who are living in the last days. This righteous king, Hezekiah, went in, destroyed all of the wickedness. He loved God. He served God. And yet his son was vile and wicked and went back and replaced. And not only replaced, but even went to the extreme. of worshiping all this false stuff. Careful what you let in. Because it will bring down. Because of this man's acts. Because how he led the people astray. Why didn't these people say no? Why didn't they push back and say, hey, wait a minute. Why are we rebuilding this? Why are we doing this? Why are we acting like the other nations? We have a God. Why didn't they deal with him? It just goes, you, it just goes to show you the heart of mankind. It's not God. God's punishment doesn't make God a bad God. How can a loving God do it? How could he not? 
I wish you would start telling people that when they start asking about the loving God. (laughs) These people rejected God. These people turned from God. They created their own gods. They sought after psychics and mediums. They did sorcery, witchcraft. That's dark power. That's the lesser power. There's power in it, but it's not the great power. (laughs) They were led astray. Innocent blood was being shed. Children were being sacrificed. And these are the people of God. But what goes on in the homes today of so-called Christians? What goes on in the the nations, so-called Christian nations? But God all along knew. I said, God, how patient you are with your creation. (laughs) How patient he is with us. But there's a day coming, you all. There's a day coming. It's already been set in time. No one knows the day or the hour. But the day is coming. He at least warns us. When enough's enough. And you thought... This, wiping them out, was something? Oh no, wait to see what he does at the end. Go to Revelation. Wait to see what's about to be poured out upon this earth. Because of the wickedness that's increasing. The level that it's rising. I tell you, praise God that the church is still here. Because there's still hope. <laughs> there's a day of coming when he's calling us home. And this world is going to suffer like it's never suffered before. Verse 19, Amon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for two years. <laughs> He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. He followed the same example of his father, worshiping the same idols his father had worshipped. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the ways of the to follow the Lord's ways. Then Amon's own officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. But the people of the land killed all those who have conspired against King Amon. And they made his son Josiah the next king. Verse chapter 22, the first two verses. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Bosca. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn from doing what is right. All this up and down, left and right, every which way. But remember, God is sovereign and God's plan is in place, you all. All of this is not taking God by surprise. God's plan, God's purpose is to send the Messiah into this sin-sicked world (laughs) to deliver the captives and to set them free. 
Go to Acts chapter 21, verse 17 through 36. Acts chapter 21. And I believe this is such an important portion of Scripture. And as I read it, hopefully you'll gain understanding as to why I believe this is so important. All of it, all Scripture is important. But just important in the life of Paul. When we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to meet with James. And all the elders of Jerusalem's church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God and, they, and then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they follow all, I'm sorry, and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have, told, have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know what that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe, observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we have already told them in the letter. They should abstain from food, eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual. So he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him yelling, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everyone to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles the holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Thropnus, a, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman re regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called his out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted, one thing and some another. Since he couldn't find out the truth in, in the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind shouting, Kill him! Kill him! Jesus, Jesus. 
And you think following Christ is going to be this, some kumbaya type life. They have lied about Paul. They have lied about the teachings of Paul. As today, so-called Christians still lie about Paul. Still badmouth Paul. And there's some even saying that the letters of Paul should be removed from the word of God. The devil has nothing new, you all. Paul has never once said, nor has he denied, any of the customs, the Jewish customs. He's never once. Do you know what he says? Don't put your hopes in those customs for salvation. That's the difference. If you're placing your hope in your ceremonies, in all of these rules and laws to make you right with God, you're cursed. He never once told them, he never once told the Jews to stop doing it. He just said, make sure that your hope is not in those. That your hope is in Christ. And that's the beauty of it. You see the freedom in it. You see how all of this pointed to Christ. You want to keep the customs? Keep them. But don't teach them that they bring salvation. You want to keep the Sabbath? Keep the Sabbath. But don't make it a form of salvation. You want to keep this and you want to keep that? Keep it. But do not make it salvation. And that's what I love about Paul. He didn't fight back with the council in Jerusalem and say, no, I'm not doing that. You can't force me to do it because I'm a free man. Blah, 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 blah. I'm, 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 I'm a da 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 No, he didn't fight back. What's needed to honor Christ? If this is what you're asking of me, then I'll do it. Because it's not going to go against Christ. It's not going against Christ. And if this will encourage our, my Jewish brothers and sisters, then I want to encourage them to continue to be engaged with Christ. And we're not changing our minds on what we're, we've asked the Gentiles of the Gentiles. <laughs> but the devil is always ready to incite the crowd. <laughs> you will be lied about, you will be betrayed. You would, your words would be twisted, but your character would stand you all. If you're truly in Christ, if you're of Christ, then your character is intact. Let them engage with the crowd. Let them beat you to the point of death. Let them be so enraged. But don't lose sight of what God has done in your life. And never 
and never deny Christ to appease man. What we see here is beautiful. I was so moved by this. I've read it before. I've seen it before. But it was such a treasure to read it again this week and just be like, God, that's so beautiful. Like he was a humbled man. He responded to leadership direction. He didn't boast of all that he's done and who he is. No, he humbled himself. He received instruction and he followed through on it. Again, it wasn't, it's not dishonoring Christ. It's not dishonoring Christ. And so this is the beauty of it. This is what we can learn. Remain humble. Honor Christ. Go to Psalm 150. We are finished with the book of Psalms this week. Wow. But please, refer to it throughout your walk. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a great, great way to end the book of Psalms. To remind us to praise the Lord. Go to Proverbs 18. Verse 9 through 10. Proverbs 18. Verses 9 and 10. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. God help us. And then verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run in to him and are Safe. Oh, there is a way in which we are called to live, and that is unto Christ, you all. Let us worship our King, and then I'll close us in prayer.
Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you humbled yourself, Lord, that you came to rescue us. 
And oh, how I pray, oh God, that there's not any among us or God would listen to this at a later time, Father, that God who would continue to refuse you, to continue to remain in rebellion towards you. Oh, how I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That God, yet in your mercy, you gave them another opportunity to hear your word, your truth, the hope of their Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. So may it be so, Father, today I pray if there are any who need to come and who have recognized in of themselves that they are a sinner, an enemy of yours, and that they would humble themselves and receive this free gift of salvation. There's nothing in and of themselves, God, that they could clean up. They just come as they are and leave afresh and anew, born again, if they would come in faith. And then I pray, God, that they would take the next steps to be baptized and to be discipled, God, that they may grow and mature. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that your word says that heaven rejoices. God, when a sinner repents and receives salvation, because they're rescued from the kingdom of darkness transferred into the kingdom of Christ. Oh, that's beautiful, Father. For those who are in Christ this day, God, I do pray, Father, that they would not grow weary or discouraged, that they would remain, Father, encouraged. That they would remain in obedience unto Christ. That they would walk in the Spirit so they would not gratify the desires of the flesh. That they would Fix their eyes upon you, Lord Jesus, and receive, Father, the fullness of all that you have for them. And that they would live as unto Christ in this generation, Lord, upright. And that they would go forth and declare the goodness of God in this generation by proclaiming the gospel of Christ Jesus. So bless your people, Father, I pray. Protect them by the name in which you have been given. And may they guard what's been entrusted to them, Lord, I pray. I thank you, God, for the provision that we're about to receive. Thank you, Father, for Yvette and for preparing it and for Gilda assisting. And, Father, just the way they they serve us, Lord, I just thank you for that. And I pray, God, your, your blessings upon them, Lord Jesus. I do pray that this food will nourish and strengthen our bodies, God. We do pray for those, Lord, who are in need today, God, that they will look to you as their provider, as their strong tower, which they can run into and be safe. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, ultimately, that you've given us yet another day of fellowship with Christ and fellowship with each other. May we treasure it, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, hang back.